Welcome to the Roundtable at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, a podcast of discussions with substance. Join our staff and leaders of our church as we journey through topics that inform, engage, and inspire the daily life of our church. Welcome, everyone, to the Roundtable from Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. My name is Reverend Jay Clark, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. My name is Daniel Curry. I'm on staff here at Pulaski Heights. I'm Abby Maynard. I'm one of the pastors. Kathleen McMurray, one of the pastors on staff. Today we are beginning a series that corresponds also with our sermon series on Sunday mornings around the membership vows of the church. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about prayers. So first of all, for for those that may not have any idea or be familiar with the the term vows of membership, let's talk a little bit, um, you know, a a 10,000-foot view here of what the vows of membership are in the United Methodist Church and why we ask them. Well, in the United Methodist Church... Kathleen, would you go first? (laughs) Sure, Just so excited. Uh, In the United Methodist Church, the vows... We call them membership vows, and vows such a, a serious word. Um, but but we invite people to make a covenant with the congregation that as they become an official part of the congregation, it's not like they're becoming a member of a country club or um, a member of you know another organization. That there's something different about the church. That as members, we don't only like receive things, but we also offer. Um, you know, it's not only about I'm joining this so that I can get perks. Um, you know, like joining a rewards program or something like that. But it's I I am becoming a member, and by that, I am committing myself to something. Um, I'm committing and investing and becoming a part of this congregation to which. I want to belong and be a part mm-hmm. of. Um, and then the church also makes a promise to those that join that the church will support them um, in that journey. But but it's that idea that membership isn't simply a privilege, but it, there's a responsibility that comes along with it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that it is kind of that, it's that two part that we make promises for all these things that we commit to giving back to the church. Um, that we know we're going to receive things by being part of this community, but that we make a commitment to giving these things. But then also there is something beautiful about as we take our membership vows and as we, you know, say, I'm going to be part of this community, that the community then says back, we are glad to have you and we are making the same commitments back at you. And so it's, um, it's a beautiful first step of joining a a group um, and saying that we're now bonded um, going both ways that we, you know, commit to one another. It's also a a wonderful opportunity that as we make this commitment to to serve the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, you can find your your own niche there too. We're committing Mm -hmm. to all of them, but you're going to be able to use your uh, your skills and and maybe pour into those and into a certain area a little bit more if if that fits you a little bit better. Yeah. You know, vow is a very strong word. we have vows of membership. Uh, there are baptismal vows. There are marriage vows. So, where, I mean, I can't think of uh, where are some other places that we even use, use, that, word. use that word. I'm trying to think. I don't even. 
It's not one that we use very much anymore. Right. It's kind of an older term. Um, that Some we... churches have even changed it to promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and uh, but uh, vow, I don't know. For those three things, I mean, all of them have, and maybe it's just because we work in a church, but all of them have to do with promises to God mm-hmm. at, at the, you know, at the very highest level. Um, but I couldn't think of any others. Yeah, in a secular system. I mean, other than marriage vows, mm-hmm. like right. that's something that folks that aren't part of a church, right. even if you're not part of a church, you get the mm-hmm. the vow component of marriage. Um, but that I feel like is like the only context where we really use that term. Yeah, outside of baptism and membership, and which is kind of an interesting thing. There's like a in in that wording itself. There's kind of a tradition that's being carried on mm-hmm. throughout right. that. Um, is a very old thing that we've been making these kind of vows for a right. long time. So the first vow of membership is uh, is prayer. Why why do you think that's listed first? Why do you think that is important? I think it's our, our jumping off point. It's our connecting point, um, focusing on on God, focusing on our relationship and our continued growth within that relationship. So I think that that's a, a, a focal point for us. It's a good, uh, good jumping off place that mm-hmm. we can make that commitment, that promise first and have that be our, our guiding light in some way. Yeah, that we, we start by, I mean, prayer is that, that recognition that, that God is at the other side of this right. conversation. Um, and so to me, as we're thinking about joining a church, again, another thing that separates our membership here versus other places is it's not just us and the people around us, mm-hmm. but that God is a part of the the ecosystem, that God is a part of this, um, this process, um, that God is a part of what we're doing too. Mm-hmm. Abby, you have anything you want to add? I also think prayer is probably the first one because it's, maybe the easiest to get into. It's the thing that everyone can do. You don't need to have anything to be able to give. You don't need to go anywhere to be able to do it or anything like that. It is something that you can, that literally anyone can do from their, for their church, from wherever they are, um, no matter what their ability level is. And I love that about it as the first thing that, um, it is, it is the service piece and the, and the thing that we can all always do. If if someone came up to you and had never heard the word and said, well, what is prayer? How, how would you, in your most simple way, explain that to someone? Talking with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About what? <laughs> Anything. I mean. About me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, talking with God about about anything, yeah. right? That yeah. that it's. Um, I'm reading a book by Adam Weber um, called "Talking with God," and it's about prayer. Um, spoiler alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! I would hope so. Um, <laughs> but but that he, you know, and and his point is that we think of prayer as this very austere, formal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what <laughs> what do we say? Yeah. How do we say it? Um, is there a formula? Um, and certainly, like, a lot of people like to organize their thoughts. And so, you know, they'll have, they have finger prayers mm-hmm. and they have other ways that we can pray. Um, but what's, his, the, what's the Will Ferrell movie? 
about, oh, dear, oh, teeny uh, top oh, talladega nights. Yeah, yeah, talladega nights. Eight pounds, six ounce, Here's baby Jesus. Jesus. Six pound, eight ounce, baby Jesus. <laughs> pray to the adult Jesus. I like the Christmas Jesus better. <laughs> when you pray, you can pray to adult Jesus. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, we, we, we talk with God, and, and that conversation can be anything. And, right. I mean, I think that's, that's where, like, um, acknowledging that we don't have to have our words perfect. We don't have to say um, our words don't have to be beautiful um, or, you know, flowery language or anything like that. And we can talk to God when we're angry. We can talk to God when we're sad. We can talk to God when we're happy that I think God wants us to bring angry. All I mean, of it. Mm-hmm. And all, all that is modeled in the scriptures. And yes. Too, so. Yes. I yeah. think the things that we think are hard about prayer are the limitations that we have put mm-hmm. on it right. yeah. um, and not the things that come from our examples in the text or, or tradition even that um, prayer has always been just the ability to bring whatever you have to God. And then, and we get all in our own heads about trying to do it correctly when that's never been the point. What is, what is prayer not? A wish. A wish list. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was about to say, it's not, yeah. um, the youth actually did a lesson on this, um, and, and they started off with, it's not Santa Claus. That's right. That God is not Santa Claus. It's not just, these are the things that I want you to do for me. Um, when I worked in youth ministry, there were, you know, kids, would, I would go around to prayer requests, you know, just like Ellen does. And, you know, someone will always say, oh, the test I have tomorrow. <laughs> and I would always say, we will pray for your God-given ability that you can study and do yeah. well on this test, mm-hmm. but we're not going to pray for the test <laughs> itself. Yeah. All right. Got to put in some work. That's right. Um, a friend of mine named Dan Dick, who works in the um, Wisconsin conference office, he wrote a book several years ago called Vital Signs. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said is where prayer was a common practice in a congregation uh, that is where people were most engaged in those in those churches. This was a survey of like 800 churches. Um, do you agree with that? I think that if if prayer is that common practice, so alluding to the vital mm-hmm. signs title, right. which is fitting, you just have you have a pulse of the congregation. You have a pulse of what's going on. Um, it means congregants are talking to one another. They're sharing about hospitalizations or, or joys or concerns or whatever you want to call it. But um, when when prayer is a common practice, I think you're just better connected with one another. I think that it provides opportunities for conversation to happen naturally. And if you're praying, um, praying for your church, praying for each other, that I, I firmly believe that prayer changes us when we pray. Mm. Um, that mm-hmm. if, if I am praying for someone not only am I going to be praying for them and lifting their hearts and minds and lives before God, but I am also then probably going to be checking in with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably going to, you know, be saying, can I bring you food? Right. <laughs> um, and if we're praying for our church and our church's ministries, then mm-hmm. we're also saying if in that same vein, then I'm also not only going to be praying, but saying, and what can I do? Right. Um, so I absolutely think that that makes complete sense. Uh, 
retired <clears throat> Episcopal Bishop John Shelby Spong, uh, his wife was dying of cancer or had cancer. And, of course, he was a beloved figure in the Episcopal Church. So, you know, thousands and thousands of people were praying for his wife. And I remember uh, in one interview he said, but why do I think, why would I ever think that because I had thousands and thousands of people praying for my wife that she would miraculously get better when my the guy who picks up my garbage once a week may not have anyone praying for his wife who has the same ailment? You know, and, and one of the, he said, I don't believe that God does that. And he went on to say, I, I don't think I would want to believe in a God that does that. Mm -hmm. And that's always stuck with me because, I mean, it, prayer, as you said, changes us, you know, inside to out. Mm -hmm. And the focus should be on just lifting those people, those people's names to God. It doesn't mean, you know, the age old question of, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? We've been praying about this. Why didn't this change? And, you know, I, in the moment, none of us have great answers for that because people are in pain during that. But, I mean, what would you say to the people who, you know, look at this, the title of this podcast for prayer and say, eh, I'm, I'm not about that. I don't, I don't care anything about that. Because it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and um, I don't know. I think that's a question that a lot of people have, you know. I mean, if, We've struggled with that. Why do bad things happen to right. good people mm -hmm. for since human beings were in, in existence? Right. I think we all we will always want to hope um, that whatever terrible thing has happened to our loved one is going to just go away. Um, right. And so to say, you know, well, don't even we're not going to even hope for that because that's not what prayer is for is probably not realistic. We're still going to hope and wish. Um, but for people who don't feel like it's for them because it's that they prayed for something that didn't happen, um, I would say that a lot more of it is about praying for our ability to get through things, for us to um, see the good things that we have and the good people in our lives in the midst of it. And um, while prayer may not fix the terrible circumstance that um, we are seeing that is causing suffering, it very much can make that suffering easier to bear and it can help us to see, you know, the people in our lives that um, can help us deal with it. And it can be just a strengthening point, um, even if it is not the the cure that we think we're looking for. Um, oftentimes it is it is a medication that kind of helps us breathe a little easier through a lot of things and, and stay connected with God. Um, while we're struggling and trying to make sense of our lives. I think one of the most, um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, um, I don't know, I have a lot of favorite, one of the stories that is very meaningful uh, mm -hmm. to me um, in regards to this idea of, of what we do with suffering um, and what it means to come through that um, is the story of Hannah um, in scripture when, um, she is, um, just been so heartbroken that she cannot have a child and is desperate and goes to the temple and is just 
weeping before God. Um, and her husband, you know, she tried to tell him and he's like, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Um, aren't I enough? Uh, but she sees, you know, one of his other wives, um, having all these children and she's just in such anguish and she goes to the temple and she lifts her voice before God and, uh, the priest that is there, uh, goes and sees her and is, you know, thinking that she's drunk, um, or something. And she says, I'm not drunk. Like I'm just in anguish. Um, and as she's able to explain that to him, um, he, I mean, he receives that from her. Um, he receives those words and she does go on to bear a child. But the interesting thing about the scripture is that it said, you know, she went forth and I can't remember exactly the phrasing, but essentially like she went forth and her heart was lightened. Her load was lightened. Um, she went forth from the temple praising God. Um, that was before she got, pre that was before the prayer was answered, um, before that, but she just, to me, the lightning of her spirit was that she was heard, um, that her, somebody saw her desperation and her hurt. Um, and that was the moment of, of that lightning of the low, you know, that mm -hmm. yes, she goes on to have a child, but that wasn't the moment when it happened. Like right. when that load was lightened. And I think that prayer has the ability to, to even if the physical doesn't get better or even if the pain is still there, having people to talk to or knowing that we're not alone in the midst of it can make a right. difference. It's just another <laughs> reminder that it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be this. this the thou. Yeah, the yeah. thou super. <laughs> High King church James language. version of yeah. prayer. It can be messy. It can be angry, and we can we can come to God with that emotion, and our 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 it'll will become light. We'll we'll have that weight lifted off of our shoulders. We'll just if we come to God as we are, <laughs> then God's going to meet us there. Last question: What is your favorite way to pray? It's not my most frequent, but my favorite is prayer journaling um, because I can go back and look back at it at other times. And because sometimes when I am, you know, busy and almost spinning out and everything, it it makes me slow down and think about what I'm wanting to actually say to God and not just, you know, there's a million thoughts flying around in my head. Um, more often, it's just the talking to God in whatever little moment I have um, I can find. But that is my favorite is the the being able to really stop and take a moment and write and get my thoughts in some form of order um, mm -hmm. that I can then look back on later and and think about where I have had those conversations with mm -hmm. God and and how that has turned out. How about you, Kathleen? Um, I'm actually very similar as far as I really enjoy journal journaling prayer um, and then breath prayer is mm -hmm. something that I do a lot. I I find um, I struggle a lot with anxiety, and so I find myself a lot of times I'll be like, "Oh, I'm forgetting to breathe." Right. <laughs> um, but but being conscientious of that and the breath um, and considering God entering and going forth from from me um, mm -hmm. is really is really a good thing. Daniel, for me, it's always been a very 
intentional walk outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've connected with God in nature since I was a little boy and just being able to to not only pray for what's around me and be thankful for that, but also to um, to bring what, whatever's on my heart at the time and, and have that time on a, on a walk outside and, and just be very intentional with, with those prayers as I stroll through the, through on a trail and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. What about you, Jay? I would say mine is very conversational. Um, mm-hmm. I remember as a, as a child, uh, our pastor preached on Paul saying, pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to me, that meant the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, if if someone cuts me off in traffic and I say something bad, then I can imagine Jesus being right in the seat with me and say, oops. You know, you know, yeah. But yeah. You know, it wasn't English. So um, <clears throat> anyway, yeah. but, but I think that's very important because as going back to what you said, it doesn't have to be so formal. Mm-hmm. You know, but like how many people... Uh, believers, um, and I would say any faith, can look at, at a sunset that's just beautiful. And, I mean, I would think that most of us think, you know, gosh, you yeah. know, what what an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just don't see how you can, you know, it, even after the tornadoes that we had, and that next day, it, it was it was beautiful yeah. outside and I was just like you know look at all this destruction in the midst of the beauty that now encompasses mm-hmm. you know and I was like well I, you know that that's how I feel sometimes you know that you've got just the the really heart-wrenching stuff right, right juxtaposed um, I'm reading another book as well um, by um, oh my gosh Rachel Held Evans' sister, mm. um, and I cannot think of her name, but it's called A Hole in the World, and it's all about grief um, and learning to grieve. Take it from when her sister died? Yes, that was the, st- okay. the launching point, but she did a lot of research about different grief um, rituals huh. um, all the way back from ancient times, but one of them was keening, which is that like really raw sound like the wailing um that people would do um and that different traditions have this tradition of like just wailing in grief um Hmm. when our words don't seem like enough when it seems like we are so heart-wrenched and that that's a form of of prayer and connection to god um but that you know the church as an Mm -hmm. institution didn't like that like it wasn't nice enough or formal enough um, and so we kind of have gotten away from it some in our Western church traditions, but, um, but sometimes just, it can be ugly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Prayer can absolutely. Um, and I just think that God, God wants our whole selves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to praying for the church, um, there are times when, when we're frustrated with the church or with the people of God, um, and, and that's okay, but we pray for them, and we have hearts that are led towards that. Well, we're going to go on to the, the next podcast, but uh, we thank you. And on behalf of Reverends Abby Maynard, Kathleen McMurray, <laughs> Daniel Curry, I'm Jay Clark. We hope you join us again. This has been the Roundtable from Pulaski Heights 
United Methodist Church, a podcast on discussions with substance. So we hope you'll join us next week when we talk about prayers, presents, uh, and not Christmas presents. It's a different kind of presents, eh, in a way. So anyway, join us next week. All right, bye-bye. Bye.